0: I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. My guest is Mario Schlosser, co-founder of Oscar, a company that's focused on making health insurance easier and more accessible. Oscar has built a simple online presence that helps users connect directly to doctors, get prescriptions, and find insurance plans that are easier to navigate. Prior to Oscar, Mario worked at the hedge fund Bridgewater in Connecticut. He's originally from Germany. Welcome.
1: Thanks. Great to be on the program.
0: Oscar is primarily like a web based internet company. uh, And I think of the incumbents, these behemoth insurance companies with like mountains of paper and just vastly different from your profile. How is it possible that you are doing the same thing?
1: Yeah, (laughs) great question. It actually doesn't happen that often that a technology company comes around and says, "I want to be an insurance company." From the beginning, we knew if we were going to walk into the regular regulatory offices up in Albany in New York State, for example, with just a bunch of coders, just a bunch of programmers, we we wouldn't we wouldn't be invited back, you know. Um, so the team we built from the get-go was a team that's comprised of. On the one hand, computer scientists like me, designers, um, and also a very healthy contingent of very experienced insurance executives. So, our chief actuary is the former chief actuary of Emblem, the biggest plan in New York State. In short, what you need to become, what you need to have to become an insurance company is you have to have um, a lot of money. Um, you have, the regulators will ask you to block away um, tens of millions in in reserve capital in making sure you can really insure people um, that no surprise on medical underwriting losses or gains will financially be an issue for you. And so this is what we do in different states we're licensed. We block away tens of millions in reserve capital. You have to have a network of physicians and doctors. So you have to go out and actually strike relationships with the people who actually deliver the healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the third thing really is you have to build a incredible back-end system where um, the information that that we have on our members' care and our members' medical conditions is so transparent to our nurses on the team, to our customer service members on the team, and to the doctors who work with us, that we can just give you an answer when you call us and get you in with the best possible doctor whenever something's happening to you.
0: In addition to just m- providing more transparency to users, you're also changing healthcare practices like behavior in a way. Like, for instance, um, telemedicine is probably more prominent in your company than mm-hmm. otherwise. Can you talk a little bit about some of those behaviors?
1: Yeah, definitely. The healthcare system is full of a lot of innovative doctors who really want to help you and take care of you. And a lot of times, the way the system is currently set up kind of gets in the way of these things sometimes. Mm -hmm. Your doctor does not get paid by anybody I'm aware of um, if he emails you or if he answers a phone call for you. That stuff does not get submitted to the insurance company. And so we, from the beginning, said the power of becoming the insurance company is we can start paying for these things. We can start paying for the things in the way people nowadays want to consume their healthcare. um, And we can maybe stop paying for a few things in the way doctors shouldn't be delivering healthcare.
0: So what's an example?
1: An example actually is Televisits. We became the first insurance carrier, really again to our knowledge, um, across the United States where um, every member has 24 seven access to telemedicine, which means you push a button and a physician will call you back. On average about nine minutes, um, or in about nine minutes, and we push your full health history out to the doc Um, He then picks up the phone, calls you back, and then all the notes he takes will come back in real time into our own systems. You can see if the doctor um, writes you a prescription, um, you can see which pharmacy this goes to, you can see when the prescription is ready to pick up at the pharmacy, uh, and things like that. And um, we pay for all that, um, and you can just consume as much as you want. We don't provide the care ourselves, but we can definitely always get you in touch with the right provider and with the right um, node in the healthcare system.
0: So you co-founded the company with Josh Kushner. His family is a real estate uh, family. They own a lot of real estate in New York, as well as uh, Kevin Nazimi. And Josh uh, runs a venture capital firm called Thrive. And Kevin is a former Microsoft employee. And Josh really was the one who came up with the idea for Oscar. Can you talk more about kind of his vision initially?
1: Two things that happened. One is he had played basketball or whatever and sprayed his ankle went to the ER his mother was there with him um, and he was just kind of dumbfounded by how uh, like weirdly obtuse the experience is, you know, yeah, when do you actually leave this emergency room? He probably got a, a thousand times photocopied, some, you know, discharge notes kind of thing when he when he left that uh, emergency room, I had no idea what's happening to him. And what happened to me at the time was my wife was pregnant with our first kids. Uh, and so we were trying to find a pediatrician and some a good OBGYN and go into a hospital that wouldn't have too high of a C-section rate because you would to have a natural birth and, and all these questions where if you called your insurance company, um, I'm not sure how much of an answer you would really get that is satisfactory to these questions. And so in that backdrop, against that backdrop, Josh said, let's start an insurance company. And the point I think where I really, um, as a sort of computer scientist again, with a real need to get better healthcare as well, got excited is when I realized um, two things about insurance companies. One was the insurance company really sits in the middle of all this data and information flowing through the healthcare system. That was one thing. And the second thing was um, the insurance company also controls the way the the financial incentives work in the system. You know, they could pay for free televisits. They could pay for... When your doctor is nice and emails you back on his Gmail accounts, <laughs> that's what a nice doctor does. you know. And so the insurance company could do something about this, but in my experience, hadn't done anything about this stuff.
0: Now, you met Josh. Uh, you were a student in Harvard Business School while he was a student at Harvard College. How did you meet?
1: I was at mckinsey for a few years i went to hbs saying all right enough of this consulting stuff i want to get uh, back to starting some companies and back to programming and so i spent my two years basically just writing codes and um, one of the things i was building was a social network for no particular reason myspace is kind of at the peak i think you know facebook had just come out and so another friend of mine at hbs by the name of daniel caffey from honduras uh, he had this idea of saying let's start a facebook for latin america and so josh And him and I got together about that idea and then um, Mm. did that as well.
0: You brought on board very early on Kevin Nazimi, who was at Microsoft. Uh, Why did you include him in the mix?
1: He, I think, was the most um, healthcare-oriented of us. Uh, He had uh, worked at a healthcare IT company, essentially a company that built a claim system in the summer at Harvard Business School. And so from that time, he actually knew a few people who were involved in um, or who had been executives or worked executives in insurance companies. Mm. And so one of the very first people who um, was an insurance executive, uh, came through Kevin. And, mm-hmm. by the, and that guy's name is Dave Henderson. He's mm-hmm. still in the team. He's still one of the important people in the company. And, um, you know, the guy who had the requisites and necessary gray hair, which I know I have as well, uh, to explain to us how regulation works and all that kind of stuff.
0: You needed to raise a lot of venture capital because, as we talked about, you know, in order to get approval in these states, you have to prove that you have a, a pile of cash. And your first venture capital came from... Thrive Capital and other people joined on board, like Peter Thiel, the founder of PayPal, and Vinod Khosla of Khosla Ventures. Um, can you talk to me about that that venture capital process?
1: Yeah, Oscar, very much, and probably this is true for many startups that um, end up being successful. A- in many ways, is, is a, a right place, right time kind of thing. You know, so if you recall that I was talking about early 2012, what n- what didn't enter the equation for the first six months really was the fact that there was the Affordable Care Act coming. We had no idea, to be honest. Oscar was not a um, deliberate play on regulatory change in the healthcare system. It was really, okay, this experience stinks. Let's try to do something about that. Then we realized there is a very narrow time window for the first time in 20 years, and probably never again in the next 20 years to start an insurance company. Because the individual market is coming, the ACA, Affordable Care, creates this market where individuals for the first time buy insurance, where you can build a brand, where you can build tools that people would fall in love with and really want to engage with, um, and so on. And that took a while to really figure out. When we then talked to the first venture capitalists, we talked to um, all of the big guns. Uh, What was funny to me there was that they all had a different idea of what the Affordable Care Act does. And it was wrong in all cases. <laughs> None of the guys, the venture capitalists at the time, had on the radar screen the fact that there would be a giant market created overnight of individuals buying insurance.
0: And this is all made possible by the Affordable Care Act yeah. that Obama instituted in 2012, which basically allows individuals to buy access to health insurance. Uh, and the insurers can't turn somebody down, even with the pre-existing conditions. It's
1: exactly what it is. You, you can't get turned down. Um, Everybody pays the same price. It was very much a chicken and egg um, game at the time. you know we had to on the one hand um, get deep enough into a regulatory process um, to show to the venture capitalist that um, this would become a viable entity um, and then also show to the venture capitalist we are deep enough in a regulatory process that they think they should that we think they should fund it. you know and that was a a difficult thing. and I think what was kind of interesting to me in hindsight was um, as a founder nowadays when you go to a VC, um, and you show them a video, you know, you sort of say, hey, here's a mock-up of how I think my site will look like, my product will look like, they will laugh you out of the room. You know, they would much rather see from a technical founder a, a listing, a code, some codes, you know, like on the screen, like here's my um, X code or whatever with uh, with a bunch of stuff I can compile, you know, and you can look at it and and, and see how it works. If we had pitched that way to regulators, they would have thrown it out of the room, and so we actually went to the first ever regulatory meeting we had the day after Sandy, the hurricane. We kind of like trekked up from Manhattan and drove up to Albany, and we actually had a video, um, an animation of how we think um, the product would eventually work once everything gets pieced together. And that got the regulators very excited because mm-hmm. they sort of they've never seen this. You know, they were at the time fighting with the big insurance incumbents, um, trying to drag them into the Obamacare exchanges. Um, and then once we went to venture capitalists, we actually showed, Now we got the, you know, we are in the regulatory process and now fund this in time for regulators to get comfortable with and eventually issuing the license.
0: Who was a, an early investor who really bought into this? What was the first serious capital yeah. you got?
1: Instrumental, I think, was General Catalyst up in Boston. Um, and and Joel Cutter, the, the the leading partner there, was actually the sort of like, guy who groomed Josh to become a venture capitalist. And so we, the first one of the first tracks we made was up to Boston to to um, pitch to Joel and his team. And the instrumental guy in that team was a guy named Charlie Baker, who actually nowadays is the governor of Massachusetts. So Charlie Baker had been the, um, the CEO of Harvard Pilgrim, one of the biggest insurance companies in, in Massachusetts. And Joel eventually, he turns to Charlie Baker and he goes, OK, Charlie, what if we took this thing and we sent it to one of the big carriers? What, what would happen? And then Charlie goes, I don't think they would know what to do with it, you know? And so then Joel is like, you kind of see the light bulb go off in his head and you he, he realized what the sort of like um, competitive advantage could be
0: you have positioned yourself as like a, a company that wants to keep it simple, right? Mm-hmm. And wants to keep health care and health insurance simple. And your ads help to perpetuate that. They're kind of quirky and cartoonish. I, I kind of think of like emojis. Yeah. Can you talk to me about that evolution? Like g- give examples of some of your Subway ads, yeah, for example. Yeah, de-
1: definitely. Um, well, you know, when we tried a bit to put together our first uh, campaign, this is in late 2013, we thought, okay, somehow we have to stand out. And so, the campaign we came up with was a really very simple one where we have just um, a monochromatic background and one funny line um, on there and then some sort of like very simple, um, somewhat cartoon characters or drawings that draw some additional attention. And a couple of the lines would be, um, talk, ha- have a um, a uh, nice articulate doctor call you back without joining a dating site. Yeah health insurance that won't make your head explode and if it does you're covered. <laughs> right.
0: Why were your investors in Silicon Valley kind of reluctant to have you um, put up these subway ads?
1: There was one investor I'm not going to tell you who it is uh, <laughs> where we had a lot of fights in in kind of late 2013 and it wasn't really at the time very uh, popular for a technology company in New York to be in the subways. It was sort of like applying the classical Silicon Valley maxims and axioms to how you build a user base to, to this thing, and including also all the usual Silicon Valley bullshit terminology, <laughs> and subway ads really weren't part of it. And we we just really thought that um, if we only do online ads, right, that we would never really get some members' trust because we sort of felt you had to see us in some in a couple other media Um, channels before you really believe that Oscar is a viable insurance company here to stay. And so the subway ads became far and away the most visible thing, I think, for us in hindsight.
0: I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guest is Mario Schlosser, co-founder of Oscar, a company that's focused on making health insurance easier and more accessible. Uh, What has been harder than you thought in all of this? I mean, because you knew it was going to be pretty uh, intractable. But what what has been even harder than you thought?
1: Well, I think the um, the complexity of the industry is absolutely breathtaking. The um, the so typically, I think if you talk to any technology startup, you don't build technology for, you know, the edge cases, the edge use cases for the thing that you expect once in a thousand years or so. You build technology for, you know, what the majority of users will fall in love with and want and so on. That's not something you can do in insurance. Every single is a saying we have internally. Um, we literally sometimes say, oh, this is extremely unlikely, which means it will happen next week um, because any single combination of um, a number of incredibly um, remote variables will happen to you. And the problem in insurance is there is an there is a correlation between how unlikely something is and how 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 difficult, costly, and impactful in somebody's life it is. We had a member literally um who was about to lose one of his limbs because one of his physicians told him, um he will have to lose his limb. and then in a in a conversation with one of our nurses, we were able to get him in touch with a different caregiver with a more modern, View of the condition he was going through, who was able to 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 help him save his limp. and mm-hmm. then um, and the member ended up baking cookies <laughs> for for the office, the yeah. member who, uh, who who we had helped go through this case in a good way.
0: Here you are now living in New York, yet you you're German. Like, do you have any recollections of you know your experience with the German healthcare system growing up, or <laughs> yeah. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> any?
1: I think. Um, I I definitely do. I mean, two things I remember. One thing is um, my family physician in in Germany. My family physician there is a guy, he's in his 70s, um, and uh, and he kind of shuts down his practice every afternoon at 4 p.m. or so, gets on his bike and bicycles around town and visits the old people who are in his practice and kind of like delivers the care in their home. Why the hell does he do that? He does this because this is actually his financial incentive to do with the German government. The way it reimburses him is it pays him a quarterly stipend to take care of um, every old Patient on his panel, and so that incentivizes him. Um, incentivizes him to make sure these people actually don't come to his practice. He mm-hmm. wants to make sure they are healthy, and so he'd rather see them at home before they come in, get sick, and then he has to actually, you know, do much more with them than he otherwise would if he just kept them healthy. Right. And so that is one of the fundamental problems in U.S. healthcare that that's not the way U.S. healthcare works. You know, here a doctor sure. gets paid on a fee-for-service basis. Every single little thing you do when a person comes to your practice, that's what you get paid for. Nothing else you get paid for. Okay, so that's sort of like one recollection I have in the way the systems are different. The other one I have is actually also kind of interesting. The interesting thing in Germany is that even though it is more socialist and everybody has um, insurance and the government pays for it and so on, there is a tier of insurance. It's called actually private insurance that you can only buy if your income is beyond a certain level or if you work for the government's. Um, and so my father is a middle school teacher, which counts in Germany, used to count as working for the government, basically. And that's why I actually was able to go um, when I dislocated my shoulder, for example, to a doctor who um, who wouldn't see patients who are in public insurance. And it's a very odd sort of like um, um island of pure sheer capitalism, you know, <laughs> in this sort of like ocean of more um, equitable thinking about insurance um, that I actually found kind of weird. And so um it shows the complexities of designing the right kind of healthcare system. And I think uh, what I take away from it is that I very much like the fact that, um, if you want to get political for a second, um, that uh, in the US there is competition in the healthcare system. I like the fact that we, as an insurance company, were able to found a competing health insurance company um, and try to rewire the underlying healthcare system we reimburse and drive change in the system from the perch where we sit. So
0: I'm going to switch to uh, your personal life. Uh, you are married to a Brazilian woman, and you have two children. How did you meet your wife?
1: Uh, I met her actually, uh, this is for me, the meeting place where Europeans and Latin Americans meet in New York in front of Marquis the nightclub, (laughs) so which is not a story we're necessarily proud of, you know. But she is a a, um, a PhD in biology, and she came here from Brazil and worked as a a postdoc in a lab at Columbia University. And so, you know, we had something to talk about right away.
0: Well, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. My guest has been Mario Schlosser, co-founder of OSCAR. If you would like to learn more about the show, please visit our website at fromscratchradio.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at Jess G. Harris or find us on Facebook. I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch.